This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. They expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast as we creep closer to the start of this unbelievably exciting season at Kenworth Road. Five signings, a few departures and a hell of a lot of people writing loot in town off. It's going to be exciting and we can assure you that there's plenty more of that to come. I'm Billy Mully, joined today by Jamie Carson and Robertson. Fellas, how are you getting on? Very good. As the uh, the title of this week's pod suggests, the summer is ever coming marvellous. So, um, yeah, it's starting to ramp up now. Getting really excited. Two two working weeks until Bochum, then one more, and then it's Brighton away. Premier League football for Luton Town. Um, can't wait. Every week passes, I get more excited. Um, and yeah, it's nice to now on pod on the pod to have a lot more to, to talk about. Well, I think during the summer we, we were starting to sort of scrape together ideas just to try and get get content out for for, for the Luton fans. But now there's actually some juicy stuff to talk about. So yeah, all is good. We could do this podcast every two days. That's how much is going <laughs> on in Luton Town space. I wonder if it would have been similar if we were still a Championship club or the glitz and glamour of the Premier League just brings out this this need of doing more and, and creating more content we'll never know because we are prepared for the premier league kieran how are you not too bad not too bad back at work um so it's all systems go in the work life it's all systems go Luton town wise 11 working days for me in a row and then i'm literally leaving work thursday night to go straight to jamie's 
and fly straight to Weinhoven on the Friday. So super exciting. Um, but like I said, all systems go. Just work, work, work all the way through. We're almost there. Summer is heating up. Summer is there. And it's weird that as good as the Bochum trip is going to be, at some point it will sink in that, by God, we're a week away from the season starting, which is absolutely mental and incredible all in one. So excitement is a strong 11 out of 10. Yeah, for me, it's when will we first see the Luton kit with the Premier League patch on? Like, is it going to be one of the friendlies, Bochum away? I think that that's when it's going to be like, yeah, we're here. If if Luton wear where the, the the new home kit in Bochum with that little Premier League lion on the what right sleeve is it? I think, I think that that's that's when it's that's when it will start to be like, yeah, we're here. The moment it will hit for me is the second you hear the Premier League theme tune <laughs> ringing out around the Amex on the 12th. When you hear that tune that you've been just so used to just hearing on FIFA and hearing in other games, and then all of a sudden you'll sit there in real life like, oh, that's my team under there. Oh, <laughs> right, cool. That That's the moment, I think. Like the kit yeah. plus the theme tune that we'll hear 38 times. I don't think it will. It won't not be a good feeling, you know? Yeah, goosebumps. And us three have mentioned it already. It hasn't, the, the feeling of being a Premier League club hasn't sunken in yet. And going, progressing through this summer, it still doesn't feel that that little bit closer. And, and we're sort of trying to speak there about where, when we're actually going to feel ready for this Premier League season. I don't know if anybody, and this is probably something we should put to a poll, does anybody actually feel Premier League ready as if we're we're about to go into a Premier League season? It just doesn't. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's weird. Like, like I, I, I do feel as if it has sunk in. I, I do recognise we're Premier League, and and I, I've come to terms with that that fact. Um, but it's then when you just sort of see in in articles, yeah, Luton Town have paid five million pounds for Chong, and you just think you just have a little chuckle to yourself as it, as if like, is that even real? And you see an article saying Messi is is not helping a transfer for Martinez to Luton. It's just like just. Uh, am I am I asleep or something? Like, so I think in general, like ninety five percent of of my of my waking hours, like it's it's like it is sunk in. But then you just have this this odd this odd news line or this odd tweet that you could come out and you just have a little little giggle to yourself. Um, yeah, the bit for me at work today was I have a couple of like couple of clients who support EFL clubs, and we were chatting. They were like, oh yeah, like what's your sort of predictions like championship all the way down to league two? And I was a bit like, do you know what? I have not even given it a second of thought. And that, that sort of mo- those conversations help it sink in a little bit. Cause like when you're in the EFL, you care about the whole EFL, right? Like when we're in the championship, it's like, yeah, cool. We're always keeping tabs on league one. Cause we want to see who comes up and we're always keeping tabs on league two. Cause why not? Right. And it's always one of those things where I was like, actually for once it's not, top of my thoughts and that feels strange like top of my thoughts is again actually starting to care about premier league football whereas not whereas usually especially the last couple of years i've not really been that asked um and it's not the first time i've said that on this pod either whereas now i'm very much like oh anything premier league my eyes are on it anything efl i'm a bit like i'll catch up with you when the season starts but until then i'm not that bothered I'm the same with the Premier League. I I haven't given the Premier League much for, as probably evidenced by my fantasy football from the last <laughs> couple of years. Um, I you and me both. Yeah, 
I didn't realize how good Matoma was until uh, the other <laughs> week. And, uh, he's been doing it for a while. Million. What? <laughs> to be fair, yeah, I had that about. Um, Jal Polina as well at Fulham. I think he was in the top, at least top 10 or 15 in midfielders last season. And I was thinking, all I know about the bloke is that he's a defensive midfielder. I was like, but apart from that, you could tell me he scored 20 goals and I probably wouldn't have known. Like, mm. fine. But of course, this is stuff that we'll all come to know over the next few weeks. That is for sure. On today's show, we're going to go through the latest news. We're going to look at the latest transfer stories. We're also going to take a delve into the free polls of the week, some that are based on news stories, some based on transfer stories. Um, and, and we'll get started with the kit. The home shirt came out looking very, very nice. It got, I'd say, sort of mixed reviews, but I think the majority of people that liked it really liked it. Um, and you'd probably say it was somewhere around the 75-25 mark with, with people who liked it. and. Um, people who didn't like it, um, in my eyes, really like it. Um, the orange going into the white, um, the utilita. I know Stephen Day, um, who everyone knows from this pod, is not an advocate for it. But for me, utilita, it, it works very, very well. I like the way it's spaced out. I like how bold it is. Um, I'm not too into my kits. I'm not someone that, that, that really studies kits like that. Um, but I know Jamie Castle and Kieran Robertson, you two, you do like your football kit. So I'll, um, I'll open the floor to you two. Yeah, I think I, overall I love it. I think um, well, the first the first two or three times I looked at it, I was like, yeah, nice. Not not, not overly sure, but yeah, I like it. I think it, it hit better or it landed, it landed better than last season's kit. I think last season's kit was a grower. I think towards the end, I really liked it. Um, I'm guessing performances helped that, but I think at the start, very, very unsure. Whereas this year, it was very, like, yeah, I like it. Um, far from perfect. I mean, I think the, the sponsor's great. I, I, I would I would drop the life of power strap line, but other than that, I think it, it's a good sponsor. Um, yeah, I think initial instincts, solid seven out of 10. Um, not amazing, but but good. Um, I think six or seven out of ten for a kit is is decent. I I, I would take that every season. Um, but now I'm looking forward to seeing what the away and fur kit is like because I think we could do something special with that. Um, although I was actually thinking about all the teams that we could wear the the away kit against, and actually there's, there's quite a few red teams in in or red or, or or similar teams in the Premier League. So it seems like that that, that we might wear it a few times. Um, but no, overall, like, yeah, I think it's a good seven out of ten. Yeah, I think my consensus is fairly similar. Like, I sort of I looked at it, and at first glance, it was like, yeah, I like it. Um, the consensus on Twitter seemed very like, meh, it's all right, rather than oh my god, it's amazing, or uh, that's disgusting. It was just very in the middle, like anything between a five and a six out of ten, probably. In fairness. A couple of the criticisms I saw was obviously you look at sort of the navy stripe. It only goes down one side, not sort of this closest side. I would have added that second one in, um, obviously, because they released what they tried to make it look like, sort of that old 70s kit with the white and navy stripes. We had a very similar kit in non-league, and that hit really well. I had the collar, same design, Carbrini. Oh, geez, remember the Carbrini. But what a kit that was. Um, so they kind of went for that. I would have respected it a bit more. They've done the same 
this year as what I did last year, that the only criticism I actually had of the home kit last year was if you looked at sort of like the ends of the sleeves, they just had this really big block on the ends rather than them being a little bit tighter. And maybe I'm just saying that for us muscle fit gym lads, I don't know. Um, but it was just a bit baggy and it felt a bit like, I don't want to use a word invasive. I don't know if that's even really the right word to describe it. Either way, it just felt like it was hanging down my arm rather than sitting up here and with a football shirt, I quite like wearing them to the gym. So I quite like them similar to my shirt now, like up the top of my arm, not hanging down towards my elbows. Um, but all in all, I'm more, again, like looking forward more to the away and third. I like the fact that we always seem to have a bespoke trio, always have since we've had Umbro. Um, so long may that continue. We never really get shafted with templates. You look at AFC Wimbledon, they had a really, really strong trio this year. Yeah. Um, Umbra have been pulling it out the bag for pretty much every club they've been working with. Cambridge United, again, another really good trio. Boston United, uh, Carlisle, they both, again, got a couple of nice, like, retro-y kind of vibe. The kits, hoping we get similar with at least one of the two. Like, I'm not expecting it all three to be these, like, retro remakes. Um, give me a retro away and then maybe a bespoke third. Sound as. See, I think for me, all that's missing is, is an actual collar, like an like a proper collar, not mm. not the way that it seems like they've tried to give it that like, the collar look without actually give it without putting the little flaps on. Um, I think yeah. if, if it had if it had a collar, I think it'd be definitely a solid eight or nine out of ten. Yeah, I feel like it's like it gives people a bit of a nostalgia trip having the collar on it. People are like, oh yeah, like it looks. I don't know if it makes it look more premium. I think maybe, it does, but like yeah, you it think does. of. You think of even like Man United's home kit um, from last season where they had the collar and immediately like the consensus around that was, oh my God, like it's an amazing shirt. And to be fair, it was like not to sugarcoat it. It was a really good kit probably for that reason. Um, and it complemented it really well. So hopefully on an away or third, we get a cheeky little collar. It looks good on five aside then. I, I think the Burnley kit has like that Umbro diamond going around the trim, doesn't it? I think that, that looks quite smart. Yes. Yeah, it does. I quite like that, actually. Either way, like I said, on either the away or third, do something, Umbro. Pull it out of the bag. I trust you. Always have for the last few years, so just make it make it count. There you go. I promised you that, that Kieran and Jamie would steer the conversation <laughs> past my initial... Yeah, it was nice. That's all I... Little poll in the comments. Has Billy ever been to classic football shirts? Yes or no? <laughs> I think that poll would speak for itself. Let's go on to something that I can contribute with, and that is Marvellous Nakamba joining on a permanent deal. When he arrived on loan, it was considered a big coup. He almost instantly made an impact. Um, you know, the the kind of impact he made, you could compare it to, to where Dewsbury Hall came in. Um, I, I guess completely different in, in terms of the roles, but in, in terms of what he done for the club and, and the performances he put in and the consistency of his performances. You could you could draw comparisons and similarities to um, even Carter Vickers when he came in on loan. So getting him on a permanent contract when there was a little bit of doubt whether we'd be able to afford and, and go up to what his wage demands would have been has to be seen as a big coup, Jamie Castle. Massive. Um, but you're spot on in terms of his presence last, se uh, last season, sort of, as good, if not better, than than Jesus when he came in. I think he was that final piece in the in in the jigsaw when he came in last season. We were just missing that 
again, we come back to it loads, that Alan McCormack style of player, he's someone who breaks it up and just is able just to grab a game by the scruff of its neck and just turn it on its head. Sometimes when you're under Lacoche, which we will be loads next season, by the way, we'll be under Lacoche an awful amount of time next season. Um, just to have that player who can really just try and break the game up and just give give our centre halves and our keeper just a breather for a, a second or two. Um, so to get him this season again on, on a permanent, on a three-year deal, by the way, as well, um, is fantastic. It speaks, I think, one of the quotes from Edwards was it speaks volumes about the club's ambition. Um, and also, I think, strategy. I think there was pro- pro- probably every chance that they could have got him in earlier, which if the, the preference would have been to, to have got him in two or three weeks ago before Slovenia, absolutely, absolutely no doubt. But just having that bit of patience, not paying over the odds, and that they, as far as we're aware, they've not paid five, six, seven million for him. They've paid sort of what 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 they deem to be acceptable for someone of his ability. Um, they were just patient with it, and ultimately, we'll get we'll get him in two or three weeks later than like the the then the overall preference of the board and the management team impact our season no um so it it works for us obviously financially because we wouldn't have done it and in terms of on the pitch a massive piece in that jigsaw probably need one more to back him up behind him because i think if the camera was to get injured then i think we might be in trouble um so it would be great if we can get potentially a younger one that we can develop or Someone like I think we were we were linked with Travis and and Pearson, somebody who maybe is just a a player who's who's happy just to sort of be in the squad and 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 be there for rotation. Um, but yeah, overall, definitely a ten out of ten transfer. And Kieran, let's talk midfield options here now. Jamie sort of alluded to he his preference is to to perhaps bring in another one for that kind of rotation factor. Looking at our current midfield options, is there anything to you that, that stands out as, as something we're missing? Um, of course, we added creativity in Chong. We've still got players that are behind that current line of, of the three midfielders. Someone like a, a Louis Watson, Alan Campbell that haven't really seen the minutes under under Edwards, but are still players you consider on the fringes of things. Do you think we could see another midfield addition? And if there was another midfield addition, would it be that Nakamba role to support him? Or would you see somebody coming in uh, more of a number eight? It's I sort of alluded to it a couple of pods ago um, and when we sort of spoke about the Nakamba and Pearson rumours. And I think my thing is like having the idea of the best of both worlds in a defensive midfielder, as in it's evident we need a second one. I think if you were to pick out any position in that midfield three, DM stands out as the glaring omission in terms of squad depth anyway. Like Nakamba starts without a doubt, um, hence why I brought him in. But it's that sort of, if like you said, if he's injured, you look around and you go, all right, but who comes in? And quite honestly, I couldn't tell you because I wouldn't know, um, which is the problem. If we can answer that question, then that's where you need that sort of second option. I like the idea of having something that's a bit different to Nakamba. You don't want two Nakambas. I mean, I'm sure everyone would love 11 in one team, like 11 in Ropers. But (laughs) ultimately, you want something that if the game is a bit different or it's going a different way, like I alluded to that Ben Pearson rumour a couple of weeks ago, you want the best of both worlds because Nakamba's not going to be suited to every game equally whoever option number two may be, whether it is a Lewis Travis or anyone else, 
isn't going to be suited to every game either. So it's about having either option. If one gets injured, you've got the other one that's just as competent. You've then also got that other option for, hmm, Nakamba's not quite up to scratch for this type of game that we're in. Or if we need two at once, option two. Yeah, it's definitely in that in that number six role. I think um, if the camera was to get injured, you've basically you've got three options. You've got you drop someone like a Pelly or a Campbell back in there, who's not he's not he's not a a single pivot. They're they're definitely more sort of a double pivot or a, or an eight type of midfielder. Or you play someone like a, like an Osho who can who probably is versatile enough to sit in there, but definitely hasn't had the game time at a good level to play there. So to throw him in the Premier League is is just a, a massive risk, a risk that could pay off. I think Osho definitely long-term could play there, but I think to do it in a, in a Premier League game from the off is, is tough. Or you trust a, a Louis Watson, who, again, he showed brilliant glimpses last year in the Championship. Um, so I think he definitely is capable, again, long-term. But then if if you're like, if you're relying on Louis Watson for 15, 20 games because the camera's out, then I think that's, again, that's a massive risk. Um, so if we can bring in someone... A bit younger, maybe, or a bit different, like Kieran said. That that would that would be great for the squad. Let's talk Issa Kabore. Great name, great potential. Um, somebody Man City rate very highly. They've handed a new contract to him before sending him out on loan to Kenilworth Road. What were your initial thoughts when Kabore's name was mentioned? Um, because obviously we had Cody Drummer last season whose strengths were in his tackling and I guess in his ball progression as well. Uh, Kabore, we don't know too much about him, but looking at the stats, he looks somebody that's going to get forwards, but also has good defensive resilience. He's, he's, by all accounts, looking at the statistics, he's a good tackler. Do you think Kabore is going to you know, play lots of football for us? Do you think he's going to be, be number one? In terms of our right wing back, do you think there's potential to add to our right wing back options? What do you think with Kabore? What, what do you think that means for the rest of the squad? Yeah, initial instinct was excellent. Um, I think our track record with loans in the in recent history is good, very good. Like you said last year in the Canberra drama, obviously Horfaf did a job. Jusbill before that, Carter Vickers before that. So I think our gen- generally our loan. Signings have, have been really good, um, and we definitely use our our loan slots for players that we can't afford to get on a permanent, or or players better than than what we can feasibly pay for. So that in itself is is exciting. Comes from the city group, which they've produced a lot of young stars. I mean, they've I mean, if you look at the players that they've sold on for big 15, 20, 20 million pound fees, I think is it Carlos Borges going to West Ham link for fourteen million quid from that sort of that same academy group. So I mean, I guess in, in terms of those that 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 group of players, great pedigree on loan at Marseille last year. I think the the twenty nine appearances is a bit is a bit misleading because it was only nine starts. I think in in the league, so okay, he did get decent minutes, but not amazing. But still, for what the third the third best side in in, in Liga last year, um, in Marseille. So again, if 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 you told me that someone's progression path was to go from Marseille to Luton, then you'd think. Bloody hell! Um, so yeah, it, on, from that side of things, fantastic. Spoke to the, I guess, the more knowledgeable amongst us. Who obviously hasn't hasn't appeared much recently, but still very much involved. Dylan, I spoke to him about, I guess, the way he views things. Said he's far from perfect, but, but Luton can't can't get perfect. That's not that's not where we're at. 
I think athletically fantastic. Again, you look at YouTube compilations, he looks absolute lightning in terms of the way he can carry the ball and dribble it up the pitch, which we're going to need loads in transition next season. To, especially, at, obviously, he can't he can't be used at, at the Etihad, but somewhere like that, just to have a player that can transition and just get get us up the pitch is, is, is going to be massive. Um, final ball might be lacking a little bit, but you back you back the coaching staff to to get it, it, it into him over the course of the season. I guess the only gut and thing is that he's not ours, so there's a good chance we can develop him into a very very good Premier League right back and then next next season he's Man City's new Kyle Walker which which obviously would be a shame but I guess the benefits of of that is that it develops a relationship with a very strong academy that, that could hopefully trust us with their players going forwards um so yeah that's the only one I guess blot on on the loan signing for me is the fact it's not our, not our player but we definitely couldn't have afforded someone as good as him on a permanent so why not use one of our two loan slots for someone like him for sure that's a good point you make at the end of that the, the fact that of course he's not our own player um affording him would have been a massive massive stumbling block but if he is to perform well with us and there's no immediate pathway into man city then there, there has to be potential that, that we'd be high up on his list of, of places to go um but then on the flip side of things you, you look at the cody drama situation and that didn't quite work out the way we would have liked of course a completely different story with Leeds getting relegated to the championship and sort of missing luton by by us going up but you'd like to think if he can develop relationships within the squad if he can you know prove to be a supplier for for elijah and colton morris and if he's able to um, compliment somebody like Reese Burke or Gabe Osho, whoever plays in that right-sided centre-back slot very well, then you never know. There, there's lots of examples within even last season where, where players have performed well for a lone club. Um, they probably, the, the, the club that they've been at, probably in no real position to, to purchase them, but this summer they've already got them. So yeah, I think that's got to be our hope if he can perform well. Um, obviously, if he performs well in the Premier League, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him and that might make it a little bit more difficult. But we can only position ourselves strongly. And I think as well, we just link, link it back to the point I would use from the Campbell on, on the patience of, of the sort of our transfer strategy. I think if we've been honest, again, it's a guess. Was Kabore our first choice for that right wing back slot? Maybe not. I think you have to assume Drama was certainly up there, if not, if not first choice. But fundamentally, if Leeds are asking for stupid money, we're not going to pay it. We're not going to we're not going to pay eight nine million pounds for Drama because we don't believe that he's worth that. So we said no, thank you. We'll, we'll go for Caboriel on a loan instead. And I think that just for me, obviously that 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 is a massive assumption. But I think it could be quite a fair one, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Um, so it just proves that we've got a strategy and we're not going to deviate from that, which again sort of is is, is fantastic for us long term. And as we've mentioned throughout, there's a lot of potential incomings. There's um, a lot of incomings that have actually already happened. Five new signings coming in at Kenworth Road. But one departure we will talk about is Carlos Mendes Gomez. He has signed a three-year deal, I think it was, at Bolton Wanderers. First reported um, at the weekend by Alan Nixon that Bolton was set to submit a £300,000 bid for the 24-year-old, it's all progressed and Luton confirmed at five o'clock this evening that he is heading back up to the northwest. In my eyes, a really good talent that 
I guess stylistically speaking from when we went to five at the back and, and started um, started to really centralise our attacks and had less of a focus on wingers, that became an environment that didn't suit him. Um, there was no bad feeling at all. Um, he, he, I think you can just tell by the way that, that the players interacted with him. Um, he's a, a much loved member of the squad. He's somebody that has high potential. He's somebody that Luton really liked having as well. But if he is to progress, I think he needs to go. He, well, he has gone, but I think he needed to, to go to a club that suits his style. And I think he can find that at Bolton. Um, really good progressive manager in Ian Everett. Uh, they play a good brand of attacking football. In my eyes, I think he's going to shine there. Um, I don't think it'll be too long before we see him in the Championship, if that's with Bolton or not. Um, but he was always that one in those group, in that group of players on the fringes that, that I believed was of the highest quality, the, the player that was closest to being involved in our squad. Um, it's just a shame that, that we didn't really um, suit him from a formational perspective. But he goes on with our best wishes. And um, like when he was at Fleetwood on loan, we just all want to see him do well. And it's uh, another example of that, really. We'll go on to the two fixtures that we've got coming up, two friendlies that will be in front of fans. We've had two uh, friendlies behind closed doors so far, one against Peterborough, one against Ashdod, um, Israeli side. But now we've got Ipswich Town coming up at Colchester United, which is tomorrow. Um, of course, by the time this episode comes out, the, the, we'll know everything we need to know. We'll know who started. We'll know the score. We'll know every little fine detail about that game. Um, but we've also got Sheffield Wednesday to look forward to. Two uh, teams that are promoted. Ipswich, in my eyes, are going to do quite well in the championship. They've got, they had a championship-ready squad already last season. And... I think that's going to be a very good test to see where we're at. Just looking at those two games, and I know we don't like drawing conclusions or drawing any real predictions about pre-season, but what are these games to you uh, both? Are you expecting to see you know, us absolutely blitz these teams now with Premier League, or are you more level-headed and, and wanting to see good minutes for, for players we haven't seen in Luton shirts yet and, and just sort of see those relationships start to form you know someone like Tahith Chong seeing him settled in a Luton shirt before the the Premier League campaign will do quite nicely wouldn't it I think it's one of those now where we've had the closed door friendlies and they're a bit more experimental but like the closer you get to the regular season actually starting you see a pattern more in pre-season games and you actually see here's a rough idea of what my best 11 looks like essentially um that's what you're going to start to see, whether it's tomorrow or against Chef Weds or even sort of next week when we're playing Wolves and playing Bockham, Bockham more so. I mean, by that point, whatever that starting eleven is for that first game, more than the second game, is going to be a, here is probably what your starting eleven is going to look like on Brighton away or what Rob Edwards views at the moment as his best eleven with what he's got currently available. Um Obviously, it's still going to be a bit of experiments here and there, trying and testing a few things, because if you're going to get it wrong at any point, this is the moment to get it wrong um, and play a bit more guesswork, perhaps. Um, 
But like I said, the closer we get to Brighton, the closer we're going to get to sort of having a better understanding, essentially, of what our best eleven looks like. Yeah, I think it's just as well trying to develop that familiarity as well in the squad. I mean, hopefully we can get a keeper at least pre-Wolves um, and hopefully we can get whoever that first that first choice keeper is to get a bit of, I guess, rapport with, with, with that back three. Anderson as well, if if he can get some good minutes alongside Locks and and Bell or Washo or wherever Edward sees him fitting in that back three, just to get that for that sort of just just to become a bit more familiar with with I guess the, the systems play, the, the, the system that we play. I think it's um, even more important for the new signings. Chong, like okay, I think there's no no doubting his his ability going forwards. So obviously, he's still good to get that familiarity with Morris and Eli in front but at the same time defensively whether we can fit into that shape and do the defensive side of the game that Edwards wants him to do um, so I think it's more important for the for the new signings pre-season in terms of getting into that system and, and sort of that Luton style of play. Um, Ipswich and Chef Reds as you said are going to be two two good tests to, to sort of start it, start it all off before it ramps up with Wolves and then Bochum away which will be intense Two lots of 90 minutes, so it's going to be intriguing to see the way that Edwards plays that. We're going to head into a swift break. When we're back, we will go through the latest transfer news and we'll go through the week's polls. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Picture the scene: all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. We are back for part two of the latest episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast. And of course, like last week, we are straight in with the latest transfer news. Unlike last week, we have only two. Um, but they're, they're quite interesting. There's £7 million valuations in, in both of them. Uh, still, we sort of chuckle. To, we, we do chuckle to ourselves when we speak about multiple players being um, valued at, at seven figures and, and these are players that potentially could be coming to Luton and we say potentially we've already got, had a couple well three now that um, probably enter that that seven figure region um, so yeah yeah just another reason to, to be excited about being a Premier League club we'll go first with Ryan Giles it's looking very very close the latest update from Daily Mail's Tom Colomus don't know if that's his, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I've pronounced it. Sorry, Tom. Um, sorry, Tom, if you <laughs> I don't think he would, but <laughs> you can be hopeful. Uh, so Ryan Giles, Luton are looking, um, Luton beaten, according to him, Middlesbrough in the pursuit of the left wing back. Uh, of course, at Wolves at the moment, not really part of their plans. He hasn't travelled out to their pre-season training camp. Um, 
So that's looking close. The valuation there is, is four to five million. We've spoken about Giles. We've spoken about the kind of service he provides. We've also spoken about, you know, the similarities and, and differences we can draw to, to Alfie Doughty. So I won't bore the listeners and watchers with, with that again, but five million pounds as a valuation, as a potential price point that Luton will pay. What do you think of that? And, and of course, got a factor in the fact he's 23, uh, still a year or two on his, his current deal at Wolves. Um, is he, uh, I guess, is he too similar to, to Alfie Dowerty? That That's probably a question that we haven't spoken fully about. Um, and, and I guess the last question to throw, just to throw loads of questions at you and, and what you try and remember everything I said. Um, could that lead to Alfie Dowerty potentially playing right wing back um, when, you know, when we play Man City or if Kabore needs a few games to get up to speed with things? Um does Giles come in at left wing back and, and the, the flexibility of it all does, you know, Rob Edwards start thinking about maybe a five, two, three or a different kind of variation that could get both Giles and Doughty on the, on the left side of the pitch. I, I guess taking it, take it in turn, right. Valuation. I think, yeah, excellent. In fact, was, was that Alex quick of talk sport, um, said it could could be sort of four million up front and then rising to sort of six and a half, which if that's the case, absolute snip to get one of last season's best players in the championship. Um for that for that price is, is excellent. Great age, uh homegrown in terms of English, I believe. I think yeah he, he, he's English. So yeah, I mean overall great transfer. It allows us to be flexible. There's gonna be systems where we're gonna definitely play both on the left at the same time because we're gonna we're gonna need to double up. Like you said, it will allow Doughty to play on the right. It it would be satisfactory to go into the season with Kabore, Doughty and Giles as the three actual wing back options. I would love and I think it's less important compared to compared to like a goalkeeper, let's say, but I, I, I would would like just so I can sleep at night, just a, an, another right wing back option just we've got someone there that 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 can cover Kabore because I just think City at home and away when he, when Kabore can't play because he's ineligible against the parent club I do not want to potentially lose Giles or Dowry to injury which then could could leave us a bit up, up shit creek um so it would be great to get one more but yeah it, it definitely in terms of back to Giles it gives us that flexibility Dowry can play on the right inverted Giles or Doughty can play left wing with the other one at left wing back or left full back. So that, that's fantastic. Um, and what was the second question in between that? I think there was another one that I missed. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think overall, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, bit, I'm a big fan of, of the signing. Um, and to get him to get him in to upset some, some of the Boa fans is, is just a little cherry on top as well. So, so yeah, about, that was a uh, go on, Bill. On your dimmer. Um, you mentioned they you, you won't be able to sleep at night, but but on your dimmer, um, he was trusted a lot under Edwards. Obviously, he wasn't first choice, but but he often came on as one of our first subs, and and it was even in games where um, you know we we're under caution a little bit. He came on and and showed real defensive resilience, something that you know he's not typically known for. But I think he, he's grown more and more comfortable as a one v one defender. Of course, his pace is brilliant, but he's also patient in the tackle and, and 
defensive duels he's actually quite impressive for. So do you think Onyedim was somebody that could step up to Premier League level? Um, I, I sort of mentioned there he's improved defensively, but does he meet the standard requirements uh, at the top flight? I think that's a fair challenge. Um, I, I guess if you look back to Bramwell Lane away, he, he played there and was, was definitely good. And he, he definitely was part of a great team performance. I think, can he step up? I think... The only thing for me is consistency. I think in your game, he'll put in a fantastic performance. But then I guess, again, seeing him against Jack Grealish or Phil Foden or, or whoever he might come up against. I don't know. I, I just, I think it's tough mentally to get away from the fact that he's, that he's a winger turned wing back. A bit like Ogbené, right? I think there's no doubting that he can do a job at, at right wing back. But fundamentally, he's a winger playing at right wing back. He's, he's not he's not a an out and out full back wing back option. Whereas Doughty and Giles have, have had so many minutes at wing back at good levels, have had they've had consistency in in performances over the course of one or two seasons. So if we can just get get someone else in, especially permanently, right? Like it, it, even if it's someone that is pro- probably a year off being ready in the Premier League, and we'll be back up to Gaborre, and and we can sort of bring him into the squads. So then when Gaborre goes back to City next summer, we've got that person that that person there behind him. Um. Yeah. Again, I think we we will be we we will be fine over the course of the season with Fred and Ogbeni there as right wing back. But I guess it's just trying to think of of perfection, right? And I think perfection would be just to get one extra option in there. Yeah, I think realistically, Onya Dim is one of those that I think stepping up to the Prem. I'm not convinced of it. Um, he didn't get very minutes in the Championship, albeit I think that's a Mendes Gomez kind of conundrum where we weren't playing out and out wingers so hypothetically it's quite difficult to fit him in a couple of times he was almost thrown up front as just a last 10 minutes you're a bit of pace do a job or even in the playoff final he was called out at right wing back if I'm not wrong um would I see him being upgraded as a top priority at the moment maybe but not quite Get to January on the other hand, and you're probably looking at that thinking, again, another four months of him not getting minutes. I did see one small link a little while ago of him to QPR, but saw it the once, never saw it again. So evidently, wasn't much in it. Um, but a move to a high-end championship team, I don't think's off the cards. It might have been discussed behind the scenes. Um, but if it were to happen, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think... To sort of follow on with what Jamie is saying, I think the option would ideally be either an older, experienced wing-back who's happy being a rotational option with Kabore or a younger player who, again, isn't quite ready yet. Give him a year, he'll be fine. I was gutted to see Ola Aina. Um, He was a free agent this summer. Um, I think he was recently, is it Sassuolo? He was just that, but obviously former Chelsea youth player. Um, I can't. I couldn't re- remember who he was linked with or going to, but I saw his name stick out and I thought, oh, fuck me. Wouldn't have minded getting him in. Um, he'd have been a really good option, but then I also think the Ryan Giles move kind of maybe stopped any notion of that. So, Yeah, I, f- I think that QPR link was just me playing matchmaker to you, Kevin. I think I was just, just trying to think of, <laughs> of potential links. But no, I think, for example, that link to QPR makes complete sense. Played under Andrew at Wickham. Um, and if QPR can get him for a, 
for a high six-figure fee, sort of in like the eight in the eight hundred thousand type of range. I think that's a sign of a QPR that they should absolutely make. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Fred go in the summer. To, to be honest, I think he's a, a player that again that I think we're probably growing faster than him. That's not to say that he he can't ever reach that level, but I think ultimately it's, it's a cutthroat business football. So I think if if we got a decent bid from a good Championship club. And it was guaranteed first team football for Fred in the championship. I wouldn't be at all upset with that. I think again, it'd be similar to Carlos. He would go with my best wishes for for for, for his future career. Um, so yeah, I, I think again, it, it might be one for, for later in the window. See see what happens. See if teams start to bid some money for him that we can actually use to reinvest in a in an actual right wing back option. And one name I didn't think I would be speaking about on today's pod is Keenan Davis. Um, I wrote this the, the plan out for everything a little bit earlier, um, and Keenan Davis's name cropped up after I'd put everything together. And when I first saw his name linked with Luton Town, I was excited, and not because, not necessarily because I think he'd be a very good player at Luton Town. It wasn't that reason. The reason was I couldn't wait to see Twitter's reaction. And, of course, Twitter didn't disappoint in what <laughs> it was. It was brilliant. And I think that's why we, we eventually turned it into a poll. Um, it was very interesting to see the, the sort of final numbers. But, but just going through the news story itself, uh, The Athletic, I think it's Watford's reporter, Adam Leventile, I think his name is, um, or Leventhal, I'm Again, sorry for butchering journalists. Not names. sorry, Adam, because you're Watford, so not sorry. <laughs> but anyway, he has um, revealed this interest in Keenan Davis, of course, at Aston Villa, spent last season on loan at Watford. He has mentioned that Luton and other champ, well, not other championship, but there are championship clubs involved in the pursuit of the Aston Villa striker. He said a package of between four to seven million could be enough to lure Villa into selling him. 25-year-old striker, absolute powerhouse of a forward. I'll come to you first, Kieran. What were your initial thoughts when you saw Keenan Davis's name and did you enjoy Twitter? Uh, the second question, you already know my answer just by my <laughs> reaction when you started talking. Um it's the whole Ashley Young conversation all over again, isn't it? Is if you take your Watford tinted glasses off for five seconds and eliminate the possibility of, oh my God, he used to play for Watford. Therefore, he must be a bad footballer. We'll stop there and we'll ignore those people and we'll come back to the people that talk about his ability as a footballer. Did his season at Watford pan out as expected? No, that's a fact. However, you have to only look at the season before that. And the reason that Watford then brought him in was because of how bloody good he was at Nottingham Forest in getting them promoted, right? He was influential up top. I'm not going to pretend to spout out facts of how many goals and assists he got. But he was one of the names that was always talked about in their team. We come up against Forest in that season and we were always thinking, that big bastard Davis, like what a player every time. He's just always a nuisance, just elbows here, heads there, wins everything, bullies people. But that's the sort of striker that you come up against and think, what a big bastard. But if he played for me, I would be loving it. 
And yeah, did he live up to his, his ability last season? No. But then, without trying to sound very biased, name a Watford player that's lived up to their expectation in the last three seasons. And even their fans would say, actually, not very many. Um, I'd take him. It's We sort of had a conversation about Obene. And I know one of you two asked me if I wanted another striker. And I said, yes, but I wanted it to fit the mould of something that we already had that offered that little bit more different. He screams Adebayo, but more direct. And that says a lot because Eli loves to get the ball at his feet and he loves to take a man on. But Davis is just that sort of next dimension to that. He's still only 25. And the key point, I've essentially rambled for a little bit, but the key point I'm trying to drive home is just because a player has one bad season at the age of 24, because he's now 25, has one bad season, does not mean he is a bad player. And also to add on to the fact of, oh, he played for Watford, so he must be bad. That's not a reason to say, oh, he wouldn't be any good for us. Like some players just don't suit clubs, don't suit systems, don't suit managers. But Keenan's the sort of player that we've said before previously. And I know people have said this previously. I'd love to have him. I'd hate playing against him. Okay, so then put him up top in our team where he's actually going to give him good service, good chances, play regularly. And tell me that you wouldn't have that in your team. That's my opinion. And if anyone wants to use the Watford card against me, they can. But I'll just say the same thing. Remember when we took Matty Spring back after he went to Watford at the end of the day? Like, you can use the Watford card all you like, but Rob Edwards too. Like, it's not an excuse to call a player bad just because they've played for a rival team. Like, it is what it is. And I think one key thing I remember about Keenan Davis is I'm, I'm totally with you there, Kieran. I think he's a, a fantastic player. I think what he offers suits the way we play. I think if you add the kind of player he is to the potential of getting someone like Ryan Giles and, you know, the creativity that he brings, creativity that, that probably Chong brings now from a central position, I would absolutely love him at Kenworth Road and, you know, of course, there's Luton fans that remember um, his shit housery, but add that to Kenilworth Road and we'll absolutely love him. It's the kind of Danny Hilton scenario as well, where you absolutely love him on your team and hate him when he's not on your team. And Davis as well, adding a further point to this, he is the only player that I've seen physically dominate Reese Burke. Reese Burke, I think, as a 1v1 defender is absolutely fantastic and, and I don't think there's many there, there wasn't many better in the championship and you know that could be evidenced by what he the, the job he did on Victor Jokerez in the playoff final but Keenan Davis had his number when we played against Nottingham Forest in that in that 1-0 victory Davis was was fantastic um the, the ability to drive ability to hold a player off um, his link-up play, I think there's a lot of qualities that suggest he would fit in very well at Luton Town. And, you know, a lot of people, as Kieran alluded to, will, will immediately turn their nose up because of his Watford connections and the fact he's a bit of a shithouse and, and gave us Luton fans a few a few gestures or whatever he'd done. But I What was the outcome of, of the poll? We'll go through that now. I'll just load that up. The outcome of that poll, which asked, would Luton fans be up for signing him? There was 41% at yes, 
and 59% at no, and that, that was worth 244 votes. Um, yeah, I mean, that I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I think to be fair, if I was to guess, I thought more would say no because of the Watford link. So I think that that's yeah. that's a, a good thing that ultimately ha- almost half of of people have, have sort of tried to look past the Watford thing. Um, I think Kieran spot on with what you said. But obviously, Bill's backed up as well. I think for me, I guess the one thing is if you just try and extract recency bias, and Kieran, you mentioned it in terms of just because he's had one average season doesn't make him an average player like fundamentally to take away the last five months of recency bias if you offered me this time last season Carlton Morris for 1.5 million pounds or Keenan Davis on a season long life from Aston Villa I would have gone Davis all day long in terms of I think the the the, the expectation last season was Morris was obviously hadn't quite done it in the championship he'd got Seven, eight, nine goals, and he was he was sort of he was a, he was a, he was a, he was okay, a, average, a, average to good at best. Came in and was absolutely exceptional. There's no getting away from that. Carl Morse was exceptional for us last year, but Keenan Davis for Forest was good. I think in in in, in terms of stats, given you mentioned goals, I think you only got five for Forest, but it's not it's not that. Like, it's it's not it's not just about that. It's it's he would make the team work. So well, it's like it's like like we've mentioned for Eli on the last pod, the way that Eli's helped Carlton, Carlton Morris get the goals that he's got. What's to say Eli can't do that for for for, for Davis as well? You look at Ryan Giles, who who we're looking to bring in, but with Atcom last season got eleven assists. So what's to say Ryan Giles can't do that with Keenan Davis for, for, for Luton next season in the, in the Prem? So it all it all just makes sense. And again, getting away from the Watford thing, getting away from an average twelve months. Fundamentally, if I was offered him last season on a loan, I would have absolutely taken him, and then we would all be clamouring him. We would all be clamouring for, for for us to get him on a permanent this summer. So, um, yeah, overall, I think seven million probably is, is a bit too much. I think it was Adam Leventhal said between four and seven. I think if it's at the upper end, probably overpaying. I think market values is around five or six. So if we can get him for four, for four or five, then I think yeah, let's absolutely do it. Um, you sort of think what's the one or two million, but to us it's, it's, it's quite a bit. Um, but no, overall, if if finances work, if wages work, definitely get get him in. And then again, ultimately, if we do if we do go down, he's going to be a top top championship striker who probably, regardless of next season, if he if he comes down with us and plays in the championship, will be top five golden boot odds for, for next season in the championship. And 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 that, there will be a reason behind that. I think he's one of those where we sort of obviously mentioned it with Mendes Gomez, where we sort of essentially a casualty in our own progression, like more than good enough if we were a league below. Um, and I think Keenan Davis fits into that category, but for Villa, I think if they weren't doing as well, if they didn't have as much money, um, if they hadn't just got a European finish last year and if they didn't already have Ollie Watkins, Cameron Archer, potentially coming through as number, their number two now, um, you look at that and Davis would be higher in the pecking order, I think. Um, especially, say, if Villa finished 12th, would you look at Ollie Watkins and think that he'd go further up the league? Probably. Whereas they haven't. And he's shown a lot more quality this year. So then now Keenan Davis slips down. And I think it's just a sign of what we're sort of looking at recruitment-wise as well. Like, again, the Camber's been a sort of subject to that at Villa again. And I think that transfer hopefully has built a good relationship with Villa, firstly. Um, secondly shows what sort of players we're looking at is like where Mendes Gomez was a casualty of our progression 
are we shopping around other Premier League clubs looking at thinking, right, he was first or second choice, now he's third or fourth, but for us, he's more than good enough to be number one. Um, and I think Keenan Davis, again, like I said, fits into that category and I think for us, has a better opportunity for progression than if he were to stay at Villa. Or personally, I think if he was to drop down a league, I think he's done that now. He's been there, done that. He did it with Forest. I think in that season, showed he's more than capable to step up to the Prem. Obviously, he didn't show that at Watford. And a lot of critics could easily say, fine, he needs another season at that level to prove himself. But I think there's no better way. In a sense, it gets to a certain point in a player's career where you go, the only way to prove yourself in that league is to prove yourself in that league rather than st- sit in a level below. Come up, join us in that league and give it a good crack. And you're either good enough or you're not at the end of the day. It, it, it's funny because if, if Davis was scoring 15, 20 goals in the championship that, that we all aspired to be, then he would be worth 15, 20 million quid. There's a reason why Middlesbrough were asking for 15 million for Akpom, right? And 12 months ago, yeah. you were thinking Akpom. Now he's now he's hot property. It's just yeah, it's just I mean, funny how, how that's it's funny how much a, a year makes. And you think Atpom's twenty seven, right? And at the start of the season last year, he didn't have a squad number. Middlesbrough didn't think anything of him. And I'm going to be brutally honest and say that not very many clubs thought anything of him um, because his career so far hasn't been the best. However, fair play to him for proving people wrong who have always been a bit like yeah, Atpom's this, Atpom's that. He's bounced back and proved like he's bloomed later, yeah. like a Jamie Vardy, not quite to the same extent of obviously winning the Premier League title. But it just shows you can't write a player off again, like I said, after one or two bad seasons. Like players can have phases of their career where they are not as prolific, not as good. And that just down to the setup that they're involved in. Whereas at Pom now has found like he credited Carrick a lot last year and sort of said, Look, I found a manager that actually believes in me, plays me where I want to be played. And as a result, I'm thriving. And who knows if signing a player like Keenan Davis, he might have had a crap season last year, quite simply because he was low on confidence, because he wasn't given the confidence in that setup to thrive, changing managers week in, week out. Now he could be put in a setup where it's like, we expect A of you because we know you're capable of it. Go and prove it. And he goes and does that. Yeah, the, the 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 best clubs operate effectively by by looking past the narrative, looking 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 through the headline numbers, and actually thinking as an underlying player is he good enough? Barbara did that last year of Atpom. They look past the narrative of him being this lazy, sort of overrated, sort of Arsenal youth product footballer who hadn't really quite done it many places, and now they they, they believed in him, they had the faith, and he's done what probably he was always capable of, and he scored a lot of goals. Same with Carlton Morris. Again, it, it, it was different in terms of, I don't think anyone thought it was lazy or overrated. I just think he just hadn't really been played to the best of his ability in the right system. And we did that for him and he scored scored 20 goals. So, yeah, I think the best clubs operate effectively by, by looking past narrative. And that's what we've done before. And that's what, that's what we'll keep, that's what we'll do again and keep on doing in the future. And we'll go on and we'll we'll fire through these ones, the other two polls. The first one is who is the biggest Luton Town fantasy Premier League bargain? And we had just the three options, Amari Bell at four million, we had Isaac Bore at four million, and we had Elijah Adebayo at five million. One sentence answers here. We'll go Jamie first. Where would you be or, or would you be another? 
I flipped and flopped loads very briefly. At first, I thought Morris at 5.5 was brilliant, but I think in reality, when you look through the fixture cycles, you're probably not going to play him too much if you play it seriously, which I'm, I'm going to. Um, so I think I'm just going to save. I'm going to save the point five million and go Eli. I think. Kieran, what about you? Uh, me on the other hand, sorry, Jamie, to disagree with you. I'm going to go Issa Kabore. Um, four million, no brainer, especially in the world of FPL. You hear all the time people saying, "Oh yeah, go for those four million defenders that are actually going to play." Well, funnily enough. FPL went, here you go, here's a player that's probably going to play at least 65% of games. He's probably going to be on the end of a few assists, hopefully a few clean sheets. Four million, can't go wrong. Issa Kabore, you're in, son. Welcome to my FPL team. And make that too, because that's where I would have gone as well. Uh, just reading the results of that poll, Amari Bell was at 27%. Issa Kabore was the overwhelming winner at 52%. Elijah was 16%. And other was at 5%. And we had a couple of comments that said Morris at 5.5 million. Third and final poll. Who is attempting 38 out of 38 Premier League games next season? I know somebody that is. He's got his hand up. That's Mr. Jamie Castle. Kieran Robertson, what about you? I am on 37 out of 38 at the moment, purely because... For once, I'm actually hoping that Sky Sports move a fixture. I know, shock horror, that I actually want Sky Sports to come and save me for once. Um, but my missus' birthday currently falls on the same day as Tottenham at home, which is annoying, but also not a lot I can do about it. And if it was Tottenham away, I'd be a bit more upset. Tottenham at home, I can... We're fine. Um, but equally, I'm also like, Sky Sports, do something for me, please. Friday night, Sunday daytime, don't care. Just not Saturday. Mate, please. mate if, if that was Spurs away, you were absolutely missing Georgia's birthday. Sorry, Georgia. But if that was Spurs away, there, there is no way you're missing Spurs away. There's, do you know what? <laughs> I don't think there's a sorry Georgia about it because even she was like, <laughs> Good job it's Tottenham at home because if it was Tottenham away, I wouldn't be seeing you. And she was, and she actually said, in fairness, she was like, I wouldn't stop you either. And I was a bit like, it's a bit different when it's your birthday. Like, I kind of lose the right to say anything. If it was my own, I'd do what I fucking want. Um, but on her birthday, I kind of, as your dad once said to me, Jamie, and he'll tell you many a time, I'm sure, in the future. Some days, my friend, you just have to concede. And that is one of those that sadly, as it stands, I have conceded. And 37 out of 38 is currently my goal. Well, I know I Dad watches this, so I can't right. wait for, for the WhatsApp message from him just to say, oh, yeah, what well, Kim was right. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Steve. Love you, Steve. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was actually quite surprised with the, the verdicts of the poll. Uh, we had 29% at yes, which I think is a fantastic effort. 29%, nice. 38 out of 38. That is commitment. Even with us being in the Premier League, that, it, that, will, be, that will be fantastic. And we had 71% at no. Well, that just about brings us to the end of today's episode. Big push at the moment for our YouTube channel. Um, asking everybody to subscribe because we are building uh, Kieran's building some great content on there as well for, for the shorts have to shout him out because he usually shouts out oh quite Hatter have to uh, 
return the favour for everything he is doing at the moment. But until next week, it is goodbye from us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.